Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Okay, it's not working out. All right, let's stop. Good evening. Hello, how are you? Um, welcome to tonight's broadcast. We are here to answer a question. That's not true. This isn't really a question. This is more of a, an opinion, um, weighing in two cents, five cents, 25 cents. I don't know. A bunch of cents. Um, we're, we're, we're looking at a list. We don't look at too many lists on this channel. Maybe we should do more of that. What do you guys think? I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is from Alternative Press. I don't read Alternative Press. I don't. Um, I don't know. Just not net. Not my. Not my. Uh, not my periodical of choice. I was more of like I don't know, like a Rolling Stone spin kind of guy. Maybe I don't know. Um, never really read alternative press however i saw that they had a list it came up in my google feed you know that's how i get these articles you know the the google algorithm serves me serves me things it thinks i want to read and the the list i got was to the 20 greatest punk rock guitarists of all time these six string stars from the clash the bad brains black flag green day and more influenced rock guitar playing and again, just to have Green Day in that title, Billy Billy Joel Armstrong, man, like I got nothing against the guy, but he is not the first person that comes to mind when I think of uh, the greatest. Uh, it's kind of it, it kind of already sets the tone of what this list is going to, in fact, be. So, um, yes, Poison Ivy is. Um, uh poison ivy is awesome big fan of, of poison ivy let's let's uh figure a couple things out before we take a look at this list i think it's important to set the precedent eddie m says 20 greatest punk guitarists the guy from mdc better be on this list i don't know who that guy is now we talk a lot about punk on this channel i mean we have a show with punk in the title pizza punk right um i don't i'm not an expert on punk I like what I like. I know what I know. What I don't know, I don't know. So, you know, and I have not looked at the list all the way through. So I don't know. I'm going to be just as surprised as you guys looking at this list. Just want to just want to uh, make that abundantly clear. I also think it's important to make it abundantly clear that I don't necessarily agree with this list. I'm not saying that this list is you know the list as a matter of fact i'm gonna definitely um insert and subtract 
from this list. So I might be even a little biased towards some of these players whose music I might not, I might not listen to. So I might have to say, Hey, full disclosure. I don't listen to this person. I would not put them on the top, top 20 of all time. I have a feeling it's going to be a very political list. I don't know. We're going to see, do, do we have, I see already in the DLW says Johnny Ramon, obviously I'm sure he did change the whole game. I'm sure he will be there. I don't know who's Haggerty. So sorry, Dave Anchovies. Who is Haggerty? I'm not familiar with that. Um, <laughs> JD says dab on him from us. Okay. Okay. I shall. I shall, JD. We'll, we'll make that happen. Um, by the way, real quick, if you are a YouTube member or a Patreon member, there is a brand new video up just for you guys. It's not available to the public. It won't be available to the public for some time. It is late night taco truck jelly beans. You heard correctly. I reviewed and consumed late night taco truck jelly beans. I never thought I would see such a thing. And yes, it included a beef taco jelly bean. If you want to know what I think about beef taco jelly beans, go check out those videos. They are up now for Patreons and YouTube members. Thank you so much for your support. Um, let's see. Dave Anchovy says, oh, that's the guy from Naked Ray Gun. Chicago band. Okay. Ace brings up a great point. Ace, a guitar slinger himself, brings up a great point. Greatest or most influential? That's where it gets kind of muddy. This says greatest. And I think that is a very good, uh, th that, that figures heavily into what makes one the greatest of something. So once again, here we are with a quandary. And we don't have, we need the criteria. So that's something to really sort of take. That's a big takeaway in and of itself. Get your criteria straight before you make a list or you, you do a which is there more of thing. Because if you don't have all your criteria in place, it's going to lead to controversy. It's going to be hard to decide. And again, there, I wonder what kind of players that are on this list that are on there for greatest as in great what is great is great attitude is great um uh style is great technical proficiency you know that th those are all different factors for greatness we have to look at those factors i suppose and i guess influential will go in i would say the four factors we're looking at are style technical prowess um influence and oh was the last one style blah, blah, blah. an attitude and attitude and style and attitude are two different things. I think. Um, thank you. Yeah. Right. Ashton and Williamson better be on this list. They both deserve to be on this list. So if they're, if neither one of them are on this list, then it's automatically a BS list to begin with. Uh, if one of them is on there, but not the other one, it's a BS list, you know, um, Dave Anchovy says he's super distinctive, set the bar in the U S I, I've never really listened to Naked Reagan. Again, just to for anybody who's just joining us, hi. I don't have I don't have a monopoly on punk rock. I don't know all there is to know with punk rock. There are pro there might be players on this list who I've never listened to before. Okay. Um A says Steve Jones for both categories. I would imagine he would be on this list. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree. Top 20, I don't know. There's a couple other people I would put on. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, he, listen, I, I don't want to take away from Steve Jones. Love Steve Jones. Read his book. Big fan of that album. Uh, I've never listened to his solo stuff, but uh, big fan of that album. Peg Boy. 
Peg Boy, his influence is still around. Check him out and get back. Yeah, right. Dr. No from the Bad Brains. Of course, if Dr. No was not on this list, I'm going to set. I was about to say I was going to set my house on fire. Why would I set my house on fire? Because Dr. No is not on the list. I will set this list on fire, this digital list somehow. Link Ray, um, you think Link Ray ought to be on this list? I bet he is not. Uh, here's why I wouldn't include Link Ray. Uh, he may have been a proto-punk. He may be considered the, the earliest, earliest, earliest of proto-punk. Here's the thing. When you go far enough back, it's no longer proto-punk. It's just rock and roll, man. And rock and roll is punk in and of itself. That's why punk is so silly. Because punk is just rock and roll, man. That's Rock and roll is a rebellious thing to begin with. Punk is a rebellion in a way or a response to what rock and roll became. And it's a return to that original rock and roll spirit. So to call Link Ray a punk is both valid and also kind of not true all at the same time. Screaming Jay Hawkins, I call him one of the first punks as well. Not a guitarist, but, you know, a punk. Could we say Glenn Danzig? He did write all the music and still does. I would not put Glenn Danzig as a guitar as one of the greatest. No. No, I would put Bobby Steele on that list. I would not put Glenn. Would not put Glenn. Uh, he does not tick enough of those boxes we were talking about. Um, Dave says, I love Bad Brains and Dr. No, but I don't think of him as a trailblazer. I don't know if those. I, dude, uh, Paul Leary of the butt, Butthole Surface, fine. Paul Leary, f- f- phenomenal guitarist, crazy f- guitarist, cr- great producer too. Um, but, dude, Dr. No. Oh, he's totally a trailblazer, man. Totally an innovator. And, you know, you wouldn't have Dr. No without Steve Jones, partially. So there's there's a tip of the hat to Steve Jones, by the way. It, you're, you're exactly, man. It is all rock and roll. That's right. Wayne Kramer better be on this list. But here's the thing. If you have Wayne Kramer without uh, Rob Smith, uh, not, not Rob Smith, Fred Smith, the other guitarist in the MC5, those both of those guys were guitar slinging heroes. You can't have one without the other. Fred Sonic Smith is just as important as Wayne Kramer. Um, Good evening to Rue Morg. Um, Wouldn't have Jones without Johnny Thunders. Super true. Johnny Thunders, you can see he's in my thumbnail. He better be on this list because Johnny Thunders, there are so many people that owe it to Johnny Thunders. And, you know, Johnny Thunders was... He was not only was he influential, he was technically proficient as far as mm, as far as punk punk guitars go. Excuse me. It was a crazy burp. Um, he, he had chops, man. He had chops. But he but the thing was about his chops, he had attitude. It was all about his attitude as well. Yes, I, I, I couldn't imagine Steve Jones not being on this list again. If 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 I have a boat with only 20 seats. And I have 40 guitarists. I mean, Steve Jones is not going to be the, like my the, my first thought on that list. I think I think Steve Jones, I think Steve Jones gets uh, a lot of credit that is 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 due. But I also I don't know, man, I, I think I think his style, in fact, is quite derivative of Johnny Thunders. You can hear it. You can hear the DNA. You can hear Johnny Thunders all over that Sex Pistols album. OK, all over it. Um, I don't, that's not to take away credit from Steve Jones, but you can, it's, they toured together, right? Paul Leary. Yeah. Paul Leary is insane. And that's true as well. That's not punk. And I got to tell you, I have an idea of, of guitarists that 
most certainly should be on this list in my opinion but won't be because they technically not punk guitarists but i think that uh they also fit into a plethora of genres all in one which is what uh dlw david david lee rath is is saying here um johnny thunders 1000 percent, of course yeah yeah man i mean sylvain sylvain dude like again like you know people think of johnny thunders as the guitar sling hero but sylvain sylvain was the he was the heart of the of the new york dolls man he was the heart and he was he was writing a lot of he wrote a lot of material you know so Dave has to get a drink for this one. Lynn says, Johnny Ramone, we're going to try to get to the bottom of these cups. Yes, Rick Agnew, man. By far one of the greatest punk guitarists of all time. Nobody sounds like him. Sure, sure. And then we were, I was talking about this with Ace. Go check out the, my pizza punk episode with Ace Von Johnson in the comments. Uh, we were talking about, we were talking about how like, then you, Rick goes and he writes the music for Christian Death, which is like, like if you've ever listened to this album, you must certainly. It is imperative that everybody picks up. You can't see it because of the reflection. It's imperative that everybody picks up this album. Uh, all of the, the the music is written by Rick Agnew, as you can see right here. Um, so in addition to all of his punk rock credentials, he's also doing stuff, Christian death stuff, which is just awesome what's oi we have davy havoc's wife is in the crowd oi oi um agreed agnew created the oc sound says ace um kurt cobain whoa uh that is controversial but i would he would also go he would also be one of those guitarists he's like it's not you know he's not considered to be would not be considered to be a punk guitarist per se but you know definitely has that punk attitude yeah dude ron ashton has gots to be on this list. It would be insane if he was not on this list. Oh, my God. Angus, dude, Peter Shelley of the Buzzcocks totally needs to be on this list. Big, 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 big Buzzcocks fan. Um, Danny Sugarman. Ca oh, Captain Sensible. But you can't. But what about uh, what? No, Brian James, without Captain Sensible. This list becomes very crazy. When you have 20, you only have 20 slots. Everybody is coming up with great names. Pig champion. Um, well, God, can't get to the bottom of these comments. Um, you know, if you consider a guitarist punk rock, then they actually only play three chords. Hmm. The Slayer hippie. Um, like when Green Day started out, yeah. Bones from Discharge better be in there. I've never listened to Discharge. I don't know who Bones is. Um, Fast Eddie Clark. He joined Punks and Metalheads with Lemmy and Phil Taylor. Now, while Motorhead is punk adjacent, would you call it punk per se? Maybe with punk attitude? I don't know. I don't know if you I don't know if you could put Eddie Clark on that list. Rocky from ST S ten tendencies. Perhaps Rocky George, you're referring to Rocky George, who also played with one of my favorite bands, Fishbone. For those of you who do not know Fishbone is, go seek them out. Um, Ace says, I'm not saying he's the greatest, but based on the criteria, I would say Mike Ness. I would put, I would say Mike Ness could, I would imagine that he could be on, take one of those slots. Would he be on my list? No, not personally. 
Um, I don't really listen to social distortion, so that's but not not saying that that they wouldn't necessarily put him that he wouldn't necessarily be put on a list. Um, wouldn't be on mine personally. Whoa, Rocky was third best in ST. Damn. Dang. I put everything on rock and roll. Brian James. Hmm. I didn't even need to read the list. Everybody's everybody's weighing in. This is awesome. Brian James is great. His tenure was just shorter, short-lived. Definitely would include him if room permits. Actually, I think it was Ace. Once again, that, that episode, Ace mentioned. I didn't know this. That 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 uh what that Brian James wrote most of the music on those first two damned records. Oh, great, great call. Billy Zoom of X. You can't have a list of 20 greatest punk rock guitarists of all time without Billy Zoom. Even if Billy Zoom and I disagree on a lot of things. Um <clears throat> uh Cheetah Chrome deserves a mention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree more about Cheetah Chrome. If you listen to not Young, Loud, and Snotty, which is good, seek out the Bomp version, which is younger, louder, snottier. It's the rough mix of that album, and and Cheetah Chrome's guitar work is untouchable on it. Uh, I don't know if I'd put Tim Armstrong on there. Hmm. Agreed to uh, agreed to both above Billy Zoom and Cheetah. Yeah, man. People just don't like people don't recognize. Um, Billy Zoom, dude, it's just like, oh my God, what he's doing. And you know what's interesting about Billy Zoom? Real quick note about Billy Zoom and John Doe. It's so funny. Usually, and this is this is this is a broad stereotype. Usually, it's always the bass player, or relatively, the bass player is always like stays put off to the side. I can think of a dozen bands where that's true, right? Like that's not that's not that's not like um. That's not a false. That's not a false. Uh, a false statement there, and it's usually the guitar player, or you'll find a guitar player is more likely to be jumping around or exuding energy and whatnot. And it's inverted in in X. You have John Doe, who's tethered to the mic, by the way, because he's the he's one of the lead singers. But you have John Doe just jumping around like a just a a, a bouncing bean of energy. And Billy Zoon, he has that wide-legged, like sort of Johnny Ramone-esque sort of stance. He just stays in, in place. It's like he's as stoic as a statue, except for his strumming hand and his fretting hand are the two things that are just uh, nonstop. So the, the, the talk about prowess and chops and just, man, that, that guy's got skills. That guy's got skills. Billy Zoon played with classy... Freddie Blassie, he's no pencil neck geek, man. Minor threat. Um, Lyle Preslar. I mean, yeah, I mean, punk rock guitarist. I mean, yeah, I guess I I could see Lyle being on the being on the list. Um, Sam wants Ace Von Johnson to know that he rules. I agree. I think Ace Von Johnson rules as well. Um a green chair says might cause debate, but I would include Keith Levine. I'm so sorry. Please enlighten me. Who is Keith Levine? Uh, again, again, I don't want any like, I don't want anybody. Like, well, you don't know who that is. Uh, dude, I don't know everything. Come on. Come on. Just tell me who it is. I don't know. Um, maybe post-punk or whatever. You call it Robert Smith. Okay. Okay. In an X movie, Exine says, it is uh, XEY that Billy Zoom just stands there. Yeah, dude, he just totally does, man. He totally does. 
He totally does. A lot of ace love in the comments. Um, he, who is Keith Levine? Is that that's Public Image Limited? That guy, huh? Clash, sure, sure. Also PIL guys, we're throwing the kitchen sink into this thing here now. Rue Paul Leary was mentioned. Paul Leary has come up. It's also been determined that Paul Paul Leary is punk adjacent. That the butthole, I can't say that word on YouTube. Probably going to get in trouble for that. Uh, the BH surfers are more like punk adjacent than they're more they're their own genre. Cure was punk for years. He had a good sound. I wouldn't. Yeah, but come on. Top 20 get punk guitarists. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to have I'm going to do my own, not my own list, but I'm going to insert who, people who would be on mine. <laughs> BH surfers. That's right. That's uh, that's we got to keep it squeaky clean. There's squeaky, squeaky, squeaky clean as possible on the channel tonight. Okay. Should we go into the list, guys, instead of let's stop. Let's stop for a little bit. Let's go into this list. Um, Here we go. The hype about punk rock has always been that anyone can do it. This is true. This is true. Oh, Doyle, that is a controversial choice. You can't listen. Listen, I don't want to take away from Doyle's. Doyle clearly can play guitar. A lot of people claim he can't. I've talked about this endlessly on the channel. Doyle clearly has his own chops. Doyle is a great rhythm player. But would you put, if you have two slots on the 20 greatest punk rock guitars of all time, I'm going to give it to Bob. I would give it to Bobby over Doyle. That's just me personally. Um, Love you, Doyle. Yeah, D Boone, D Boone must be on this list, dude. D Boone is 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 awesome. Bernard Sumner, maybe. Hmm. Kind of boils down to Dave Brock with Hawkwind. Listen to Space Ritual as well. He who cannot be named from the dwarves. Yeah, you got all those nine. Then you got all those like '90s punk bands too, like just tons of them. Like the you know. Um. All right. Stole my thunder anchovies. I like that. Dave anchovies. That's a great last name. Um, He says, as a player, yes, Bobby over Doyle. As far as image and legacy at this point, Doyle. You're not wrong. You're not wrong as image and legacy. I don't know, but is that? Yeah, I guess that would be a point of criteria that we have not mentioned. Bob Mould from Husker Do. Okay. Okay. All right, guys, I'm 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 ignoring the comments now because we're never gonna get into the list if we don't. We're never gonna get into this list if we don't. I gotta stop looking at the comments right now because I really wanna get into this list. So we're gonna look at the list. All right. The hype about punk rock has always been that anyone can do it. That's very good. That should be like the number one criteria, right? When when judging someone's chops or skills, this has resulted in misguided notions. That musicianship is absent from punk. Truth be told, you only stand out in this scene if you can really play. Nothing grates eardrums harder than a punk band with no chops. That is true, but at the same time, look at Johnny Ramone. Johnny Ramone, you know, I mean, he could play, but like, you know, we... we we know that Johnny Ramone didn't do the solos on the uh, Ramones albums. That was not Johnny Ramone. It was Mickey Lee or 
Daniel Ray or Walter Luer. Okay. So there you go. Ah, Greg Henson. Ah, man, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal guitarist. Ernie Sumner doing Warsaw in Joy Division is as punk as it gets. You know, I've never listened to that Warsaw album. I love Joy Division. I've never sat down. I know that's that kind of predates those other two albums, right? Um, this is by the way, this is from March 16th, 2022, and the author is not mentioned. There's no mention of an author. That's terrible. We cannot accredit this. Okay. Oh man, I see there's like a they have a mix. Alternative Press presents the 20 greatest punk rock guitarists of all time. We're going to skip over that. We don't want to see them. Um, guitarists are especially under scrutiny. Yes, the basis of any great band is the drumming. The beat has to be solid, but the electric guitar is punk's sonic signature. Well, what about what about vocals? What about vocals, man? Um, so not only should you be skilled, but you need to distinguish your sound in a world marked by distortion and maybe have some individual ideas as well. Um, with these considerations in mind, here are 20 of punk's greatest guitar players. Please enjoy our custom playlist. As you read about what makes all these six stringers unique, we're going to woo skip over that. So we can't see it. Okay, right off the bat, we have Johnny Thunders, of course. And I see Steve Jones is there. So there we go. Johnny Thunders and Steve Jones are both on the list. Johnny Thunders, Claim to Fame, New York Dolls, Heartbreakers. Johnny Thunders solo, signature move. Johnny Thunders might be the definitive punk rock guitarist. I, you know, that is not um, that is not a that is a pretty accurate statement, I would imagine, actually. Um Sure, he had his forebears. He combined the Chuck Berry school of bent note lead guitar with the filthy ranch, ranch, ranch of Keith Richards, as well as a few of his tonsorial and satorial cues. Ooh, fancy words. Then he coated it with unstable harmonic overspill emanating from the MC5's amplifiers. His raw power chords with those barbed wire blues blues guitar breaks become the punk guitar primer. Most everyone on this list owes Thunders everything, including the importance of Gibson Les Paul Jr. Rock's perform perfect raunch machine. You know, I got to tell you, first of all, I just want to commend whoever wrote this because whoever wrote this is a really good writer. Let me let me clarify. Whoever wrote this really knows how to write about music, has a real musical vocabulary, which I really appreciate. So that's great. Best heard on New York Dolls, the self-titled album, LAMF, which is like a mother effer and so alone. Yeah, dude. All right. I'm all about that. And, you know, let's also let's also uh, pay tribute to the almighty Johnny Thunders and the fact that Every band that came out in, in the 80s, all the 80s, you know, hair metal and glam metal and all that stuff, everybody, everybody took a page out of either Johnny Thunder's book or the New York Dolls book, all of them. And so the fact that the New York Dolls are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for their impact on the decade to come, a decade where, where where record labels made millions and millions and millions of dollars off of a 
uh, a template or at least a foundation that was started by Johnny Thunders and the New York Dolls, it's a crime. It's absolutely a crime to me personally. Okay, next up is Steve Jones. Okay, guys, so we did get Steve Jones. Is it Steve Jones essentially played on one super seminal iconic album? And yes, there's a lot of other Sex Pistols stuff. There's there's box sets and bootlegs and outtakes and things. And he yes, he played in the professionals. And yes, he released two solo records in the late 80s. Um, do those things do those things qualify just that one album the impact of that single album well if james williamson is on this list and james williamson's contribution is raw power one album i would say that steve jones contribution of one album would be just as valid especially considering how impactful that record never mind the box is a very very impactful record right it was super duper influential record um Steve Jones claim to fame sex pistols and professionals. I gotta stop saying words that will get me messed up on YouTube. Signature move. Steve Jones stands as the intersection of thunders and heavy metal. Really? And heavy metal? Please, um, please, uh uh uh, uh guitar players. Is what is that true? Is that true? Um, I got to send you that set I did with Sylvain. I think there's video online. Got to be a stand in for Johnny Thunders that night. That's awesome. I please send it to me. I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah, we already mentioned Lyle. Um, the impact of Nevermind the Blocks. Absolutely. Paris May. Paris May was the first episode of Pizza Punk on this channel. Go look at the Pizza Punk. We have Paris May has been a guest here on the channel. Um, uh, we love Paris. He's great. Check out his new band, Agros. He's got a band called the Agros. It's like a instrumental-based project. He's making these really elaborate, cool music videos. Uh, very happy for him. His solos were hard. His solo albums were hard rock. I think this we're, we're still talking about Steve Jones here. Um, the best version of "Beside You" by Iggy Pop has Steve Jones playing "Raw and Beautiful." That is that because he played on the Instinct album. Uh, Steve Jones and co-wrote songs with Iggy, which kept Steve Jones afloat at a time where things were kind of rough and haggard for him. Um, right. That's right. He was in the nineties. He was in a band called checkered past, uh, past pastored, which was quite metal sounding. Okay. That's what it is. Yes. He mentions that in his book and it was a bit of a super group, right? Checkered past. Um, in any case, his chords were the crunchiest this side of Black Sabbath. So this whoever wrote this is a guitar player because they're using guitar language that, frankly, I mean, I understand some of it, but some of it maybe I don't. Some of it might go over my head. He says, so the guitars were, the chords were were the crunchiest this side of Black Sabbath. His lead work was Thunders-esque. And his tone, yeah, for sure, Thunders-esque. You can hear the on the neck when he's doing those little notes, those like uh, Bobby Steele does it on horror business as well. The, at the end, the, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, uh, verbalize that, but you know what I'm talking about. That is like such a thunders move and both Steve Jones and Bobby Steele would do that. So his thunder esque, uh, he was thunder esque and his tone was huge and rich, even live. He accomplished all this with a Gibson Les Paul custom, originally belonging to the doll Sylvain Sylvain, probably procured 
via Malcolm McLaren, who managed the Dolls in 1975, and a Fender Twin Reverb pilfered from Bob Marley and the Whalers. Now, now I know how he got that because Steve Jones was big on nicking. Nicking is what you would call uh, is what you call stealing in England, and and Steve Jones used to go down to like the Hammersmith Ballroom, I think it was called or whatever. He stole one of David Bowie's amps. He stole a lot of gear. He stole a lot of gear. And I guess one of those one of those gears he stole was was belonged to Bob Marley and the Whalers. He used no pedals save for a phaser on Anarchy in the UK. It was all down to Jones's hands and the massive thick overdrive of that twin pushed by the Gibson's humbuckers with every dial on the amp at maximum. I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying reading this dude's language. He really, really gets it. So was that a big deal that Steve Jones was not using pedals uh, for that sound? Most guitarists using pedals all the time, that sort of thing. Um, King Buzzo. Uh, yeah, Keith, I would say King Buzzo is, is, uh, is punk adjacent, but definitely a phenomenal finessed player for sure when it comes to metal and punk i know that steve jones played on megadeth's cover of anarchy in the uk just just thought i said that hmm um ah vinny stigma from agnostic front okay um yeah that's cool all right so never mind the bullocks here's the pistols there you go next up oh we got mick jones on this list Mick Jones from The Clash. Ah, man, I don't think of Mick Jones as a guitar slinger uh, in that kind of way. I just, I don't, like, I know that The Clash, and, you know, I have I have all The Clash albums, and I've listened to them, listened to Sandinista, and Give Him More Rope, and London Calling, of course, and the self-titled. Um, but I don't, man, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Uh, I just don't think of them in that way. I, when I think of The Clash, I think of them as this cohesive unit, not not any which one sort of stands out. I guess maybe Joe Strummer would stand out. Um, but you don't think of Joe Strummer as a guitar player. You think of him more as a frontman vocalist who did play rhythm. Yeah, so I guess that makes Mick Jones is that is that guitar engine, right? He's he's the he's the engine. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd put this on my list. I don't I don't know. Um, Mick Jones is where punk meets the skilled musicality of Mick Ronson, David Bowie's first guitar hero and secret weapon. From the Clash's slash and burn early days, Jones decorated his brutal chord work with a lyrical lead guitar approach. Ooh, I love that lyrical lead guitar approach. What does that mean? Does that mean that his lead guitar is sort of in line with the, the 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 vocal melody a lyrical lead guitar approach that sang more than it screamed you know who that sounds like that sounds like my personal guitar hero friggin joey santiago of the pixies who would be on my list that was my secret upset pick if i'm making picks joey santiago baby joey santiago he's got punk chops listen to i uh island de encanta off of come on pilgrim that is as that super punky song. Um, Joey, just go listen to Joey Santa. Go listen to the Pixies, man. Go listen to the Pixies. His notes, they're punk adjacent. You wouldn't call them punk. It wouldn't belong on the list, but he'd be on my list personally. Just on mine alone. Um, that's just me, okay? 
That's just me. Um, let's see here. He he used very musical sustain and feedback on key tracks such as Clash City Rockers and London Calling. Most importantly, like Ronson, Jones arranged expertly. Witness the guitar arrangements on their cover of Junior Mervyn's Police and Thieves. The riff was broken. Joe Strummer coming down hard on a one and two with Jones replying with distorted upstrokes on three and four. And that is that is Jones's um, Jones's arrangement. Mick Jones is a Jew, by the way. The Jews love to do that. Uh, by the way, in case you don't know, if you ever hear me notate who is a Jew, it's just because Jews love to point out other Jews, meaning like, you know, just as a, as a point of pride. I, I don't know what, how else to describe it. But you always hear that if you're if you're friends with any Jews out there, they're always always saying, oh, yeah, did you know he was Jewish? It's, it's just like a thing. I, I can't describe it. Um, he's part of the tribe, though. The riff was broken. Joe Strummer coming down hard on one and two with Jones replying. Well, we already read that. Uh, no other early punk band enjoyed such musical sophistication. There was there. I think that is the that that's what I was at a loss for words before when we were taught when I was when I was talking about the clash, the the clash have a musical sophistication to them that you don't see in many other punk bands uh, where maybe it's more about like attitude or, you know, chops like uh, like like punky chops per se. Uh, But that musical sophistication reaches uh, its peak on something like Sandinista, which is very eclectic and really sort of moves away from that whatever more punk rock sound that you have on the first album uh yeah or even london calling i get i guess let's see the comments here yeah we got Vinny stigma no clash come on that's a stretch so dave anchovies is not buying it yeah, they, Jones definitely had good reggae licks, and those dudes love doing some reggae stuff. Because, I mean, reggae sort of, the reggae was very, reggae and ska were very, you know, much, very prevalent in England at that time. Uh, you know, you hear Don Lett, Don Letts, the who's in Big Audio Dynamite with Mick Jones, uh, talks, talks, uh, talks a lot about that in punk documentaries. You always hear him bringing it up. Um, but Bob Marley has the song punky reggae because he went over to England in the late seventies and, and mixed around with the punk rockers a little bit pop band. It says Dave anchovies, meaning referring to the clash. Yeah, I would say that. Does that make them the first pop punk band? No, that would, that would go to the descendants. Rennie says Greg Ginn and Klaus fluoride. I thought Klaus was, uh, Klaus is, uh bass player not a guitar player that would be east bay ray i would imagine i would imagine both of those guys would be on this list i i'm sure sorry my favorite are all new york hardcore the best tone i've ever heard on a punk lp is f the system the tone is screaming nasty awesome that's cool man i'm, I'm not I'm, we are not yucking on your yums here you go here's another uh vote for mike ness I know you were going to mention, I knew you were going to mention Joey. Um, yeah, old Joey Slings. I was his friend. I was a friend of his on Facebook and also with Black Francis Frank Black. Yes, I'm friends with both of them as well on Facebook. Yes, but they're rock, not punk per se. Um, Rue, I didn't know you were down with the Pixies, man. That's awesome. 
Um, Matt says they're they're uh, they're not they're rock, not punk per se, but that song, the sad punk, is pretty punk, dude. I could give you already. All right, hold on, we got to stop real quick because I got to give this dude a list of punk as f songs. First of all, you have you have uh, Isla de Encanta, Me Voy, Me Voy, Me Voy, Donde No Es Sufrimiento, Donde No Es Sufrimiento. Uh, you have Vamos. You have Something Against You. You have the sad punk. You have rock music. Hey, you know me, me canose. Uh, you have um, Crackety Jones. The uh, baser is very pop oriented, but it's got a punk tinge to it. Uh, there goes my gun. There goes my gun is br- uh, brutal, brutal. I would even put um, what else? What else would I put on there? uh maybe head on by their their cover jesus and the mary chain cover i would put on there um i had me a vision there wasn't any television i would put uh distance equals rate distance equals rate times time would be on there uh in terms of in terms of the punk the punk elements in in pixies music it's there it's definitely there it's not it's adjacent you couldn't you could not technically Joey would not belong on a punk rock list, but he would be on my punk rock list. Hands down. We got Ted Falcone from flipper. Okay. Okay. East Bay Ray for sure. I have a feeling he made this list wink. Uh, somebody's peaked ahead. It seems. Um, Dave on says one of the many bandwagons jumped by the clash. They don't hold up. I meant Johnny Marr, pop band Smiths. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Johnny Marr is from the Smiths. Yes. With Morrissey. Um, East Bay Ray is crazy loud live. Bob Durwood from generation X. Oh yeah. River Euphrates, dude. Yeah. Dave, you know, your pixies river Euphrates for sure. Thank you. Okay, we got a we got a Frank Black fan. That's awesome. Uh, fellow, uh off of teen, uh, Teenager of the Year, Frank Black's second uh, LP, which you must all check out. Thelio Sacrisy. I've never said that word out loud, but that is a great, great, great song, um, and is definitely uh, got uh, uh, punk chops in there. There, I mean, it's there, man. Uh, how about? Um, not Nimrod's son, but the holiday song, the holiday song for sure. And what about off of the purple tape in heaven? Uh, Lady in the radiator song. Not when Kim Deal sings it later live, but the original Black Francis version. Woo-wee. Tame, tame off of Debaser. Got hips like Cinderella. Must have been having that good shame. Talking sweet about nothing. Cookie, I think you're Oh my god, so good. So good. He would be on punk punk talk about punk vocals. Nobody can scream like Black Francis. I but is that punk though? I mean, I feel like they, you know, they're outside of that. They're outside of that box, you know. So they they, they, they would not count technically. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, but best heard on the clash hits back. Okay. Up next, Johnny Ramone, like we didn't know that was coming. Um, claim to flame the Ramones, of course, Ramones. Um, Johnny Ramone might be an even bigger influence on punk guitar than Thunders. 
I would say yes. I would say if you, I say on the on the Mount Rushmore, you would have Johnny Ramone at the tippy top. And here's what's funny about all this: Johnny Ramone was not a technical player, and and Johnny Thunders could play circles around Johnny Ramone. However, wherever Johnny Ramone played a show, a punk band would pop up in its place. The Ramones are not just one of the most influential punk bands of all time. The Ramones are one of the most influential bands of all time. Absolutely in the top five, maybe even second after the Beatles. For all those people out there who hate the Beatles, the the, the Ramones, the influence, the musical impact on all music because of the Ramones cannot be understated here at all. You look at every single alternative niche genre, all of it, all of it comes back to the Ramones, which in turn um, traces its lineage back to the Stooges and the New York Dolls and the MC5. So there. Yeah. See, you have you, um, David. He's saying Johnny was a bigger influence on metal as well. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. On on U2, on Metallica, on Megadeth, on um, Motorhead, who wrote a song called Ramones, you know. Uh, my top picks, Matt Johnson's, my top picks are Captain Sensible, Greg Ginn, Johnny Ramone, Brian James, D. Boone. Um, great picks, great picks, all, all valid, all valid for a, a top 20 list, for sure. Um. And then here's the thing. Yes, this is a big controversy. Would Thunders even consider himself a punk guitarist? A lot of, there are a lot of, especially like the older, that older generation, that generation who's all on Facebook. They're all on Facebook. They're all in these groups. If you call Johnny Thunders a punk guitarist, they will all like just read you the riot act. He's not a punk guitarist. He was in, he was a rock and roller, blah, blah, blah. Like, listen. The bottom line is Johnny Thunders was in the punk scene. He played with punk bands in New York City. He was on tour with the Pistols. He comes from the New York Dolls. Even if their music is really just just really just raunchy raw rock and roll, the, their their punkness comes from their attitude and the company they kept and the people they influenced. You know what I'm saying? So I maybe he wouldn't consider himself a punk guitarist, but he's is he a punk guitarist? Of course, man. Uh, I did not say broken face. I got a broken face and also uh, break my uh, break my body, break my body and broken face. Both would also be on this. Um, what about Tony's theme? This is a song about a superhero named Tony. It's called Tony's theme that dude. There's so much punk on Surfer Rosa, man. So much more influential than the Beatles. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That is a that is a difficult nuanced conversation to have, but they are definitely right up there. They're they're uh they're nipping at the Beatles ankles. Like seriously, the Ramones and it's funny we really this this notion has really only become prevalent in the last 20 years after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In the 90s, nobody, you, you said that to someone, they'd be like, yeah, sure. Or if someone was in punk rock, it'd be like, oh, yeah, of course. But the average person would not 
I don't think would would be able to uh, comprehend or, or grapple with that. You know, uh, most of these probably wouldn't want to be called punk guitarists. That's true as well. May I ask why you're um, why the the punk is with the and? Am I am I not supposed to say punk? Are we not allowed to say punk anymore? I don't know. Somebody update me on the <laughs> on the latest words. I'm not supposed to say. Um, no, I'm curious to know why why you have punk crossed out like that. Um, hello, we uh, the the dancers entered the building. Ivan Julian and Richard. Qu uh, no, uh, Quinn. Quinn. Robert Quinn. Is it Robert Quinn or Richard Quinn? Uh, from the Voidoids, man, who also played with Lou Reed. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal guitarist. That the Blank Generation guitars on the Blank Generation cannot be understated if you've never listened to that album it's awesome i think it's robert quinn is his name robert quinn correct me if i'm wrong let's look yeah robert quinn that was him phenomenal phenomenal player richard hell's secret weapon along with ivan julian both both good both good um johnny ramone would not call himself punk i yes and no Yes and no, because when you look, look at Ramon's interviews, like in the 70s, I go, eh, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess they were very lackadaisical about it. Punk is just rock and roll. But I think if you were to talk to Johnny Ramon in like the year 2002 or something, you'd be like, yeah, we yeah, we we are. Uh, we were one of the forefathers of punk rock or punk, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, he did shoot H2. Uh, who? Thunders or or uh johnny ramone i think johnny ramones uh was i think he was done with that by the time the ramones came around what's up crazy white boy is in the house crazy white boy you are down with the pixies as well i love all these pixie fans in the comments it's great and if you don't listen to the pixies check them out my highest recommendation to start uh start start yourself off with uh doolittle uh, really you could start your i would say start yourself off with Surfer Rosa, Doolittle, or Come on Pilgrim. Uh, Trump Lamond and Bossa Nova are more acquired tastes. Equally as great. I love them all. I love all five albums, but I would start with one of those three. My first record was Doolittle. East Bay. Frank, fr uh, Frank Black was very into angst. SST, not very punk band, but great. Yeah, he was also into Husker Du and Iggy Pop. The, Frank Black had a lot of punk influences i met tony look up people eating tacos that's the same are you talking about tony like as in tony's theme there's there that, that was based on a real guy not really angus johnny said that he wrote the book on punk if he drove a cadillac it was punk his words not mine hmm p punk k i don't know i i don't understand the I, again i don't want to i don't want to upset anybody i just don't know why if there's a reason behind um uh blocking out the or not spelling punk the full way no 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 issue here robert quinn yeah dude just a solid solid cat truly yeah everybody knows everybody knows i just do it i just do that because the word is overused okay all right cool glad to hear that I thought you were going to be like, oh, well, you can't say it because blah, 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 blah. And again, just, you know, I always like to be informed. Uh, I don't want, I don't want anybody barking down my neck. 
Johnny is the reason why I picked up the guitar. Johnny has been, without a doubt, a major influence um, on many bands. Very true. Very true, Rue. New York Dolls were totally punk. Yes, they were. Dude, Richard Hellman. Pat Schmier. I got to see Pat with the reformed uh, germs. It was it was it was interesting at at Reggie's. I saw the 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 surviving germs with the guy who played Darby Crash in the movie What We Do Is Secret, along with the germs, the rest of the germs, um, doing uh, a germ set. It was interesting. It was interesting. Punk style guitar was a 1960s garage rock invention. Now that there is another, wow. That is another whole conversation that we're not going to get into right now, because it's like, that is literally a whole other tree that's growing out of a tree in that this whole time before punk or proto punk was even a thing. You had the sixties garage rock explosion. You had the Sonics, you had the seeds, you had all these bands that were that had this crazy, crazy, crazy guitar sound that was very much very punk esque in the seventies. In the same way, in fact, that you have thunders and thun, maybe thunders and uh, uh, the the eighties hair metal that would come uh, a decade after in the eighties. So, uh, Johnny uh, Richard Hell has written a bunch of books. We're getting really off topic here. Andy Gill, uh, yeah. The Sonics, man, all about the Sonics. <sighs> Sorry, these comments, you guys. You know, good future. Epi- we're gonna do the Pixies someday. I'm in. We're gonna do a deep dive on each album because they are just my favorite. I've seen the Pixies eight times since 2005. Um, they're just one of my favorite bands. There is a. Tony is Joey's nephew. Oh, yeah. They have a huge family. Uh, when he was little, he loved superheroes. I did not know. So that's what Tony, that's the that's what Tony's uh Tony's theme is about. I did not realize that. Listen to the guitar simplicity of the trogs. I want you. That's punk, I think. Great song. Great song. I like the word grunge, though. Okay, guys, these comments too many. Yes, nuggets. Nuggets is great. I saw a bunch of the nuggets artists. At Little Steven's Underground Garage Rock Festival, Chocolate Watch Band, hold on, Bo Diddley was there. That was cool. He's not garage rock, but or Joey's cousin. He rang me up at Target and saw my Pixie shirt and told me he's an autistic artist. He's somewhat known online. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yes, there is a Trogs cover on Danzig Skeletons. Skeletons. The fake germs. That's what they. That's what it really is. The fake germs. Pat is awesome. Big fan of Pat. Wow, this thing is killing me. All right, let's let's keep going, guys. Getting out of. Damn, I got here late. What's up? What's up, Minister of Darkness? Got to shout out James Williamson from the Stooges. Of course, of course you do. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So Johnny Ramone might be an even bigger influence on punk guitar than Thunders, yet Ramone is as much of a child as of Thunders as the rest of this list. Interesting. Except he took the doll's advent as permission to play his own way, which meant that he skipped over the Les Pauls and Fender Stratocasters dominating rock. 
favoring a Mosrite. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ventures model purchased for 50 bucks on 48th Street. And I don't know if it's that $50 one, but he only he had three of them. And one of them, which was he used from 1978 to 1996 and played on 1,985 shows and recorded 15 Ramones albums that sold for a million dollars. $50 investment for a million dollar return. He excised, he excised blues influences and lead guitar. He reduced rock and roll guitar to a relentless chainsaw drone. This is true. Accomplished via viciously downstroking two bar chord positions, playing up and down the neck, fed through marshals, cranked to maximum distortion. This became punk's standard rhythm guitar method. This is true. Best turn on Rocket Russia. And, you know, the bottom line here is, and as much as we're talking about all of the, for instance, the the intricacy of Joe of Joey Santiago's angular guitar playing, Joey Santiago might as well be considered the Marquis de Sade because what he does to his guitar must be considered torture. Why? Because he has found a way to make a guitar cry like a human being cry and scream and wail with emotion. Joey Santiago is a guitar player who sings through his guitar. That's the best way to describe him. One of the, one of the best, most unique, interesting, quirky um, guitar players with his, such a unique style, a signature style, all of his own. And, what Johnny Ramone's signature style that was all his own was this idea, this notion of brilliance in simplicity. And it's so true. If any of you are artists or make art or, or create things, I think you might relate to this concept of looking at something and admiring it for its simplicity. Things don't always have to be so complicated, you know, um, and yeah, friggin' Johnny Ramone is the personification. There you go. James Williamson, claim to fame, Iggy and the Stooges. James Williamson essentially plays on one album. Does he play on more than one album? Yes. I mean, he played on the Reformed Stooges album, Ready to Die. And he plays on Kill City, which is a Iggy Pop James Williamson album. Although I will contend, I will fight. This is a hill I would die on, that that is not actually the real fourth lp of the stooges okay some people like to say no ashtons no stooges and i don't it's not that i don't i don't disagree however on ready to die you have no stooges i mean you have no ashtons okay they're both dead by that point rock action aka scott ashton the drummer uh and backbone and heartbeat of the stooges and ron ashton guitar player demoted to bass player uh promoted back to guitar player in his own band again for the reformed stooges he also passed away uh i mean these guys definitely make up the makeup of the stooges but if you're going to call an album with james williamson and iggy pop as the fourth uh, or the fifth lp then really you can call it the sixth LP and you can call Kill City the fourth LP, especially because all of those songs or a significant portion of those songs were Stooges songs. They were Stooges songs that were being reworked as Iggy Pop songs. Um, so I don't know why I said all that. But, oh, that 
he played really on one album that is this this work that inspired so much. He he is right alongside Steve Jones in that way of playing on this just this really important record that turned everybody on to 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 music and uh, to punk. And or punk style playing or whatever, punk, the proto punk, whatever, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And yes, there are a lot of studio sessions and studio outtakes featuring James Wilson. He played on a many, 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 many songs, many Stooges songs that were never properly recorded. And of course, James would come back, you know, three decades later after a career in Silicon Valley as like a computer chip executive and 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 pl- record some of those songs without Iggy Pop, by the way. You can find those albums. They're out there. They're out there in the ether. Um, it says here, the Stooges had two guitar players. Uh, at one time working in unison, eventually one making way for the other by switching to bass. So you, there are a bunch of crazy lineups of the Stooges in between the two big, the, the two big lineups or the two major lineups are, are as follows. You have Iggy Pop, you have Ron Ashton, you have Dave Alexander, and you have Scott Ashton. Then um, Dave gets fired after the Goose Lake fiasco. For those of you who are Stooge heads, and no uh, Stoogeaholics, uh, shout out to to uh, Nikki Nikki Pop. Um, know about the the Goose Lake fiasco that got that got Dave Alexander fired, and he died shortly thereafter. Um, and then what happened was you had a bunch, you had Billy Cheatham, you had a bunch of uh, Zeke Zeke something, Scotty Thurston, the guitar player. He comes in, uh, no, piano player, piano player. Uh, you have all these different players, and then really the the, the lineup reforms. Because what happens is the Stooges kind of dissolve and then Iggy Pop and James Williamson go to England to, to sign on to Main Man, uh, which is which is uh, David Bowie's label. And they're basically going to start either a new band or a new version of the Stooges. Right. And then what happens is, well, who do they do? Uh, they call up uh, as Iggy would affectionately title them on The Idiot. For those of you who don't know the song Dum Dum Boys is actually about the Ashton brothers. That's what Iggy thought of them as his dumb, dumb boys. Um, and, you know, and funny enough, it's the sales brothers who play on those two Bowie produced German albums. Uh, uh, Lust for Life, the most iconic, famous Iggy album of all time. And and The Idiot, um, both produced by Iggy Pop. You got Tony Sales and Hunt Sales playing uh, bass and bass and drums on, on, the, on those albums. So Iggy had a had a penchant for for these br- brother rhythm sections. He they bring the Ashens over. Ron is demoted to bass in his own band, um, and he's great on raw power. Don't get me wrong, um, but it always it always was a thorn in his side. It always never it never never sat well with him ever. And then you know he had bands. They had uh, Dark Carnival and some other stuff. And then eventually, when the when the Stooges reformed, they didn't play any raw power songs with Ron Ashton on guitar. When Ron died, and and they brought James Williamson back into the fold, then the raw power songs came back out. I got to see the Stooges twice, both with Ron Ashton. I never got to see the Stooges with James Williamson. One of my biggest regrets in life. Um. So original six string stooge, Ron Ashton. So this is really insulting here. The fact that James Williamson is on this list, but you don't have, it should be James Williamson and Ron Ashton. You cannot 
no, you cannot notate one without the other. I, I will not stand for this, this craziness. This is crazy here. Okay. Um, so I'm going to fix this right now. It's James Williamson and Ron Ashton. Original six string stooge Ron Ashton uh, learned on the job and reduced rock guitar to a series of drones blasted through what sounded like the world's biggest fuzz box. I think really he, what he's referring to is, you know, off the stooges, the first LP, um, the self-titled LP is it's really, really like that. Not as not, not at all on Funhouse, but on that first record for sure. But James Williamson pushed the fervid, violent 60s guitar heroics of the Kinks, Dave Davies, and Jeff Beck in his Yardbirds period, and then made them more intense with his sick chords and spastic, gibbering leads. Pushed through a mountain of tube distortion, Williamson created a future. I agree with this. It was a futuristic sci-fi blues style, all of his own. It's true. And few have equaled him and none have surpassed him. I will say this. Cheetah Chrome comes pretty close. Cheetah Chrome is a disciple of the James Williamson school. And you can hear it. You can hear it very, very well on younger, louder, snotty or young, loud, snotty, whatever you want to call it. If you really want a great example, it says best turn on raw power. If you want to hear the prowess, if you want to hear the chops, the uh, the energy, the intensity, the chaos, the magic of James Williamson, you need to listen to Death Trip on Raw Power. If you've never listened to this song, listen to Death Trip. Williamson sounds like he is strangling his guitar. He's strangling the notes out of the guitar, wringing them out like a sponge. Um, and the guitar once again, is speaking just like with Joey Santiago, except the guitar is, is possessed and speaking gibberish, just like going crazy, crazy. The notes that he is pulling out of this guitar on Death Trip. Go check it out. Go check it out. Poison Ivy, baby. There you go. So for those who were clamoring for Poison Ivy, she is on here with the band, the Cramps, of course, the Cramps. The Cramps are one of those bands that are just so beloved. Um, they, I mean, they are so on their own separate branch of the tree, uh, very much rooted in rock and roll and all of that 60s garage stuff that was mentioned earlier. Uh, all rock and roll from the 60s going into the 70s would uh, was based on Chuck Berry at the exclusion of any other influence. Cramps' lead leader guitarist, Poison Ivy, told Guitar World, so even though we love Chuck, we decided to do everything we could to not have that influence. Instead, Punkabilly's Queen concentrated on Link Ray's monumentally distorted chords. So there you go. We got a Link Ray mention here. The invention of, of, of fuzz, really, right? Uh, Dwayne Eddy's Big banging single notes and abuse of a whammy bar, fuzz, reverb, and tremolo. It distinguished Ivy amongst a universe of pseudo thunders, thundersites, Chuck burying their way across their fretboards. That's true, man. That is so true. They are like that sound is like the anti berry, you know, even though they love Chuck Berry. And you can definitely hear you can hear it on the human fly for sure. And it's like, yeah, it's like channeling Link Ray. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's see what the comments say. There's too many comments to get to all of them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where did we leave off? Oh, vague. 
Glockenspiel. Whistle bait by the Colin kids is more punk than anything in the 60s. Um, <clears throat> I actually discussed Williamson versus Ashton and Sensible versus James with the great Jay Damascus. Jay Damascus, Jay Damascus of Dinosaur Jr., it uh, for some people, not for me personally, but for some people would probably be on this list. Williamson is one of my favorite guitarists. Uh, his guitar work on Raw Power is amazing. Uh, it is. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Kill City is a great album for sure. For sure. Thank you to Bomp for putting that out, right? I prefer Williamson, but I love Ashton for his stories in PKM. Yes. Now that's something that you gotta you gotta put the one in for the eye. I got PKM literally right off screen right here. Right here. I got this Joey Ramon. This is my Joey Ramon skeleton singer. And here's my copy of PKM right here. This is a phenomenal book. Everybody should read it. It's funny. I was trying to get I, I spoke to Legs McNeil for about 45 minutes on the phone trying to convince him to do a show on my channel. And uh, I could not. It did not work out. It did not work out. But I tried. I tried. Uh, could you imagine a Legs McNeil show on this channel? It would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. It did not happen. But it would have been amazing. Joe Biza. Biza won't make this. Who, remind me. That name is super familiar. What band is he from? Uh, Scott is barely on ready to die. Barely on ready to die. Maybe he plays on one track. They have another guy in there. I'm telling you. Uh, you can't call that an Ashton album at all. Maybe one or two tracks at most. Greg Ginn was on my list, but his but he solos like John Mayer. I mean, which is funny because John Mayer plays with the guys in Grateful Dead, and Greg Ginn is a huge Grateful Dead fan. The Saints are still underrated. Love the Saints. Love Stiff Little Fingers, too. Link Ray equals power chords. Okay, thank you for that. Did not realize that. Ivy is so underrated. She is rarely mentioned in these types of lists. It's true. And I'm glad that she's getting, I'm glad that she's getting the, the love that she deserves. PKM and we got the neutron bomb. So we got the neutron bomb is the West Coast version of PKM, another oral history. Uh not it's good. It's not, I think PKM is the best one, but both both are mandatory reading. I agree. Give it time. You'll get legs on here. I man, I really pitched him. I, I spoke to legs and you know what he's I had. He was playing me. Um, he was playing me excerpts from his. He was playing me excerpts from his uh, uh, from his archive. I, I pitched him and everything. Uh, maybe maybe I will. Maybe I will show you guys some someday. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the Patreons will will get to see what I'm referring to. Um, Sacrine Trust. You got right. Sacrine Trust. Right. Yes. 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 That the, the SST band. That's who you're referring to, Joe. Right. Bobby Steele. That's what I'm saying. Bobby Steele. Whoa. Pa Bernie from Funkadelic. Hmm. And Frank Zappa. Wow. Zach. Zach is eclectic. Is eclectic and all over the board here. Also read England. I've never heard of England streaming. I'll check that out. Um, 
speaking of Frank Zappa, welcome to St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast. Where I stole the margarine. Yes, it is Bobby's birthday, guys. Happy birthday to Bobby. Uh, Bobby is running a GoFundMe right now. Um, him and Diana could really use the support. So if you if you have a couple extra bucks and you want to um, uh, top Bobby off on his birthday, go check out his GoFundMe. The link is on the, the Lodi page on Facebook. I can't. I'm not going to pull it up right now. But please take a moment to go check that out if you, if you get a chance. Um, happy birthday to you, Bobby Steele. And thank you for for everything that you've done um, or contributed to. Okay, here we go. From Nashville, P-U-S-S-Y. What? You're going to put that band on this list? I mean, come on. I've listened to one of one of their albums. It's not, It's. I don't think of them as punk, okay? I think of them as, I don't know, hard rock. That is, that is really, that is nutty. That is uh, nutty, 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 nutty. Um. Funk, a great 90s to 2000s punk book. We never learn by Davidson of the New Bomb Turks. Um, yes, so Eric Davidson was on Pizza Punk on this channel. Go check out the Eric Davidson episode. Uh, he, it was so great to have him on as a guest, and we talked a lot about We Never Learn, which is back in print now. Go check out, go pick up a copy of his book. Um, I'm a big, 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 big lover of the New Bomb Turks. Uh, Snap Decision is one of my favorite songs of all time, all time. And he hates talking about that song. And I did not get a chance to really talk about it with him. I really wanted to. Um, I still think Johnny Ramone is number one. Bobby Steele's a close second. I Bobby Steele definitely would would be. I think Bobby would be in my top 20 list for sure. For sure. <laughs> Their PG rated name is Bashful Puppy. Is that for real? Is that like a real thing? Dude, New Bomb Turks are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome band. I was so, I was very fortunate. They rarely play these days and I got to see them live. I got to see them live in, uh, oh man, when did I see them live? Like 2014, 2013 in Brooklyn. Um, Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I've tried to get Cheetah on here. Um, I've tried, I've tried, uh, he didn't say no, but I've tried. Um, I do have a very big guest coming on the show. Um, that show is going to be huge. I, I keep talking about it cause I really want it to happen. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Bashful puppy. That's the name of their IG account, their Instagram account. That's hilarious. That is so sticky. And you know what else is sticky? Stickers, like Riot stickers. Did you know, guys, we're sponsored by RiotStickers.com? And we have a very special event. A contest is coming for RiotStickers.com. I'm telling you guys about it now. I actually just got an email from uh, the sponsor tonight about it. More about that very soon. So I'm just going to be lackadaisical. Look, RiotStickers.com. We're running a promotion. The deal is in the comments. Link is in the description. 50 stickers for $29.50, which is 50% off using the promo code from us. Check it out. We love Riot stickers on this channel. Let's play the song by the Less Than Jake guy real quick. 
because that's what we do here on the channel. Riot, riot stickers. Okay, there you go. Where were we? Where were we? Where were where 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 were we? <clears throat> okay, okay. Yeah, of course. Steph, Stephen, Stephen. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Egerton from the Descendants. Phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player. Also, does a great job playing Gin songs in Flag. Love that dude. Um, and apparently he's a big fan of Fan of the Paradise, which I think is stupendous. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, right over here, I have a ginormous, not a ginormous, but I have a phantom poster. Love MP, but they ain't punk. They were more of a hard rock version of Motorhead. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will. What hill will you die on? What hill are you going to die on, Jake? I don't know. Amy, oh my lord, we haven't seen you in so long. How are you? Welcome to the show. Welcome, Amy. Um, better than Bobby Steele, who? You got me salivating over here over my mystery guest. I'll tell you who it is, Rue. I will let you know. If you're a Patreon, you will find out after Sunday, March 27th. You will find out for sure. Um Oh, my God. These comments are. Oh, man. You had COVID, too. Amy, I also caught COVID. My whole family caught COVID, Amy. It was it was terrible. I hope you're feeling better. I hope none of your family members got COVID. And if they did, I hope they're feeling better, too. Feel better, Amy. Terrible. Not not fun. COVID is not fun. You guys shouldn't have said the C word on here. Darn it. Dang it. Just really messed up with that. All right. Let's keep going. All right, and the 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 bashful puppies <laughs> signature move fire breathing southern punk outfit really um, bashful puppies stood out in a couple of different ways. One, they owed as much to seventies Camaro rock as to classic punk. Two, half the personnel were women, and while singer guitarist Blaine Cartwright growls superbly from both his throat and fretboard. Much of their sonic blitzkrieg is down to the gonzo virtuosity of his wife, Reuter Soyes. She ranges, uh, she rages across every stage, the hard touring band play, handling her Gibson SG like the genetically modified love child of Angus Young and Johnny Ramone. Okay, 
you know, I'm going to check this out because I'm very curious. I've never seen video of them playing live. Um, but I, I am very, very curious. Here we go. Dr. No of the mother effing bad brains. Yes. Of course, it's going to be on the list before. We, oh, man. Amy was hospitalized for two weeks. Man. That is that's rough, Amy. That's rough. Um, well, listen, if you're on YouTube, that means you must be getting better. I hope you're improving. Keep uh, 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 keep resting up and wishing you a very strong full recovery. Truly, 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 truly. Um, yeah, it is the new C word. I agree. Uh, let's not even let's not even go there, guys. Let's we don't need that. Yes, I'm. A, I agree. Glad, glad that Amy is getting better. Truly, all right, Doctor No, Bad Brains. I have had the pleasure of seeing Doctor No twice with the Bad Brains. I saw the Bad Brains at CBGBs right before CBGBs closed down, and I also saw about a year before CBGBs closed down, and I also saw the Bad Brains on a boat sailing around Manhattan. And you know, I I think that. I, I just I think Dr. No is just he's the best, dude. He's the best, man. You, you can't you you cannot you, you cannot friggin uh, comprehend the um, the 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 just the the ferociousness. I don't know. That's not the right word. He is just he's he's just he's unbelievable. Sorry, my language is failing me right now. My language is failing me. OK, he he is. Oh, what the hell just dropped? he is uh just a, a a juggernaut he's a juggernaut man um and i mean you look at the you look at it's you know what it is it's the speed along with the precision dr no is all about precision he plays those albums note for note the songs note for note it's not sloppy so he's got that precision and he's got that speed and he's got the chops. He's got all of it together in this package. And what's crazy is, you know, I'll tell you the first time I ever heard the bad brains, I was, I thought it was just a bunch of skinny, angry white dudes straight up. My, my little 15 year old brain was just, that's just what I pictured. So when I saw a picture of four black dudes with dreadlocks, I was like, that's the bad brains. Talking about like breaking your 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 um your perception of what a band what kind of music a band looks like versus what kind of music a band plays, uh, and not only that, every other song is a reggae song. Like it, it's mind it's mind boggling, mind boggling. Um, I I, I just I I just really. I'm, I'm blown away by the bad brains and the performance. You watch those videos of them, you know, not eh, HR and the aughts was, eh, you know, he, um, eh, he, he not as uh, not as uh, proficient as he used to be. Uh, let's read on as hardcore inflicted grievous, grievous, grievous bodily harm upon land speed records and societal norms early hardcore notice hardcore is spelled with dc capitalized right there um the uh, heroes bad brains stood out they were not only the earliest of thrash outfits but they were likely the best musicians to tackle the form 
I would, I would agree, man. I would agree. They were so skilled at their instruments, and that's because they have a background in jazz, man. They were really into jazz before they discovered the 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 Pistols album, and then uh, the bad the Bad Brains name comes from the song Bad Brain off of the Ramones' Road to Ruin. So once again, the Ramones the Ramones touch is there. Um, do, uh, guitarist Dr. Knows especially adept spewing volleys of 16th notes like some people yawn. Uh, this American Rasta was, I, you know, it kills me that I could not wax poetic the way that this person is writing about the bad brains because they're just doing it justice. This American Rasta was like one of the was like one of the earliest metal guitarists working within a punk format. That's an interesting observation because they would go, they would go full, not full on metal, but they would, they would move in a more metal direction with eye against eye. And really with the, what was it? Voyage into affinity. Was that the, was that the, the, um, was that the, was that the album? I forgot the one where HR literally came back into the band to do the vocals. Then he was like out again. I think it came out in 87 or 89. I don't know. Um, uh, then like, then like the rest of his brethren, he could not stop on a dime and down. Wait, he could stop. Sorry. I'm not reading properly. Uh, but this is interesting. He says this American roster was like one of the earliest metal guitarists working within a punk format. Then like the rest of his brethren, he could stop on a dime and downshift into the slowest, deepest dub reggae. It's truly astonishing. That's the thing about the bad, bad brains. They're on this spectrum, man. They're on this spectrum where they're going from punk to reggae and back again and just, uh, right, it's called quickness. Quickness. Thank you. Quickness to nineteen nine. What voyage into infinity is the song off of the quickness, I think. Um, but you know, it's funny. The band Sublime, which we've talked about on the channel before, I love Sublime. The band, the reason why I love Sublime, I love Sublime. Sublime is hugely influenced by the Bad Brains. They would take the Bad Brains formula and they, you know, Bad Brains go from punk to reggae, and they just put. They're like, hey, what if we put ska here? And then we use ska as a bridge to go back from the punk to the reggae back and forth and then do it with some hip hop thrown in for good measure. Um, all 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 of that, uh, all of that should be, you know, all, uh, sorry, I can't. Why can't I talk? Tip of a hat to the bad brains for that in that kind of way. Um, let me see here. Kid Congo Powers. Okay. Now, I know who Kid Congo Powers is. He played not only in the Gun Club, but he also played for the Cramps. I am not super. For, oh, and he played for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I did not know that. And I do know he's currently with Kid Congo Powers and the Pink Monkey Birds. I am not familiar with his music. Um, he, They are, uh, they are, I'm not, not, not completely familiar. You see here. Is the quickness the album where they sing about wanting to X? Yeah. Uh, you're referring to the song Don't Blow Bubbles, which is a uh, very hateful song. Um, yeah, they're problematic. There's there is the bad brains are problematic or they have their their issues in the same way 
that Johnny Ramone has his. I mean, we sit here and celebrate and champion Johnny Ramone, yet Johnny Ramone was one of the most racist POSs that ever walked the earth, right? Um, so if we can separate Johnny Ramone from all of his problems and what made him a, a flawed, problematic individual, um, I think we we owe it to the bad brains as well. Um, so that's that's kind of where I stand on that currently um, in, in that kind of way. Um, but Kid Congo Powers, yeah, he's a guy who's definitely, yeah, just a blind spot for me. Um, nothing against him. I just don't know his stuff that well. Um, he is a world-class musician, still in touch with his inner primitive. In 1979, Jeffrey Lee Pierce open-tuned a Fender Strat and taught his friend how to play one-finger guitar. Then Powers joined Pierce's band, Blues Punk Desperados, The Gun Club. Powers still tunes to that open chord, still chords with one finger, and remains the world's most crucial avant-punk six-stringer his CV, his resume, reads like a who's who of the most musically advanced roots punk outfits. All have benefited from his stinging, beautiful tone and caress. So I've definitely listened to a bunch of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I don't know if I've ever heard uh, a Cave album with Kid Congo on it. I've never listened to the Gun Club. I've definitely listened to the Cramps. I don't know if I've listened to the Cramps with, with Kid Congo on there. And I've never listened to the Pink Monkey Bird. So it is definitely something that um that that was uh that was into that that i need to dive into um he was racist how bad brains hr was really homophobic he got a pass i don't think i don't know if it was just hr who was homophobic i think maybe the whole band might have been homophobic i don't know um but in terms of in terms of Johnny Ramone, I mean, I think we all know, I think we all know what kind of person Johnny Ramone was. Okay, like it's obvious. Um, I don't know, man. We're not really like I'm not really here to like. I mean, yeah, like of course I'm gonna. I'm, it's not that I'm even. I'm not calling it out either. This is not me calling it out. That's interesting that you call out Jr.'s racism. Kudos, Jeff. Joey's my favorite Ramon, but I still had Jr. in my top five. I'm thinking Doctor No instead of Johnny, but he was the punk guitarist. I, I, I'm not calling out Jr.'s racism. I'm just acknowledging that it's part of who he was, man. I mean, it's a fact. It's not, you know, and he didn't particularly like Jews, and he didn't like they didn't like a lot of people, frankly. And you know, again, the bad brains do have these problems as well. I'm not. I'm not giving. I'm not giving anybody a pass. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I'm here. I'm talking about guitar players and their music. I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not here to, I, I very much, I love these bands. I love the music that they've made. It does not excuse their behavior in any which way. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it in, in this moment, in this time. So I'm going to just move on. But it would be wrong not to at least acknowledge um, the fact that, yes, th those things are there. They're there. They're 100% there. They can't be denied. They can't be denied. Uh, I am going to move on, though. 
Uh, Bob Mould for someone who wanted Husker Du or was talking about Husker Du. You got Bob Mould here. What's that song? Uh, Green Eyes, maybe? Um, signature move. Bob Mould manages to crunch and jangle. Now, those are interesting words to use for guitar players. Uh, crunch and jangle often at the same time in hike. And you know, it's so funny because those are such abstract sort of words, but I know exactly what the writer is saying when they use the word crunch and jangle uh, in Husker do alone. He pioneered and defined few American punk eras, hard of, uh, I'm sorry, defined a few American punk eras, hardcore pop punk and early stirrings of alternative rock. These changes all occurred as his songwriting grew. His guitar work grew with it. He's always appreciated and utilized the MXR distortion and pedal sawtooth wave grit, employing an eventide harmonizer uh, electronically, creating a 12-string-like ring as, a, as 60s pop melodicism sank more into his work. Best heard on Flip Your Wig. Um is it Husker Du? Husker Du did Zen Arcade, right? I don't know. They have a they have a song called Big Green Eyes or Green Eyes or something. Great, great song. Um, Husker Du was a big influence on Frank Black. We were talking about him earlier. I could understand why he would be on this list. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. I I, I don't know. I'm not all, all. The only album I have is Zen Arcade, which uh, the the concept album I believe it is. Um. Yeah, it's called Green Eyes. Of course, Wayne Kramer is here, but you know who I don't see here? And it's uh, it's upsetting to me. It's upsetting to me because we have Wayne Kramer, but we don't have Fred Sonic Smith. You have to have Fred Sonic Smith, man. You have to have Fred, uh, Fred Sonic Smith and Wayne Kramer uh are both phenomenal players and you can't really you just can't have one without the other let's see if the even yeah it gets it does get acknowledged wayne kramer defines the term guitar hero he and fellow bandmate fred sonic smith ruled the 60s detroit rock scene kramer was nominally the lead guitarist but he and smith locked into contrapunt oh god what a word contrapuntal flights of fretboard fancy i love this writer Whoever this writer is, is a phenomenal writer. Let's look up what contrapuntal means. Contrapuntal means. Uh, um, a counterpoint. Yeah. So, all right. Here's a great example of Fred Sonic Smith and Wayne Kramer just doing, uh, getting into this sort of gro groove here. Um, go listen to looking at you find the live version of looking at you, I think from 1969 and just listen to them uh, sort of trade off back and forth. It is phenomenal. I feel like you can't talk about Wayne Kramer without talking about Fred Sonic Smith. It's just impossible. Uh, the heady mix of free jazz improvisation, Chuck Berry raunch and the Yardbirds feedback drenched experimentation gassed up the MC5's guitaristic engine. They were also pioneers of customized guitars. Witness Kramer's American flag motif strat where both guitarists load. You know, he he was Wayne Kramer went to jail for many years and um, he has a program called uh, Jail Guitar Doors. 
or guitar jail doors. And it's about like, it's a great program uh, for giving convicts guitars. So they learn how to play music. I think it's awesome that he gives back in that kind of way. And yes, he still has that iconic American flag strat still plays. He's been playing that guitar for 55, 57, almost six decades. He's been playing that strat and he's releasing a new MC five album, which I think is wrong, especially because he does. He's not, doing it first of all he's not doing it with with uh dennis thompson and even if he was doing it with dennis thompson should dennis thompson and wayne kramer be speaking for the rest of the mc5 i don't think so personally um i did get to see the mc5 dkt mc5 dkt is the name of a gang down to k-i-l-l uh uh they they had like a they had the guy from mud honey they had handsome dick manitoba uh, talk about problem problems, problemistic uh, situations. Handsome Dick Manitoba, um, Mud Honey Dude, um, uh, some some interesting females. So your Sun Ra opened for them. Sun Ra, who was also a big influence on the Stooges, opened opened for them in Central Park. It was a free concert. MC5. Michael Davis was on bass. It was Michael Davis, Dennis Thompson, and Wayne Kramer. And it was such a privilege, such a treat to be able to hear all of those MC5 songs live with those guys watching Wayne Kramer play, just crank, crank out those, those songs. It's awesome. Awesome. Really great. You agree? Fred Sonic Smith is right up there. Me too. Uh-oh, this is frozen. Am I frozen? No. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Arm. I saw Mark Arm. I saw Mark Arm front dkt mc5 so i saw him front wayne kramer michael davis and dennis thompson of the mc5 it was really really great phenomenal um yep called it out wayne kramer in the mc5 have you ever heard the song looking at you it's definitive of course of course especially with those synchronized guitar moves which somehow the synchronization of the visual guitar moves somehow makes the music sound even sweeter in some way shape or form um yeah kick out the jams mother effer of course there was also kramer's idea of playing the amp cranking it so loud that overtones spill all over the place he's just here it is oh no that's ramble and rose and kick out the jams uh this is the remastered of tartar field but this this tartar field gig is where they do that version of looking at you okay here we go we got we got uh greg ginn here for anybody who was asking about greg ginn <clears throat> of black flag black flag the harmosa beach riot squad that helped initiate hardcore grunge stoner rock and doom metal we had a we were talking about that that if black flag never grew up uh never broke up that they would they would probably be somewhere in that grunge scene um in some way shape or form stoner rock and doom metal saw endless lineup changes across the years the only essential member I would disagree with that. We we've been go, seek out if you've not seen on this channel. We did five hours on Black Flag on this channel. I think everything we need to say about Black Flag is in those two videos. Go seek them out. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Um, but I, we did a lot of comparing and contrasting of Black Flag versus Flag and where the heart and soul of Black Flag lies. And it is not with Greg Ginn alone. His psychotherapeutic songwriting and loud, aggressive, atonal guitar were their cornerstones. He seemingly tapped into the same free jazz as the MC5 plus the guitar. Oh, I love that. 
idea, guitar gymnastics of Captain Beefheart and his magic band, doused in Black Sabbath's metallic sludge, then blasted on plexiglass guitar through a solid-state PA head, and you get the harsh, discordant, battering ram that was Gin. Best heard on damage. I would definitely agree with that. Best heard on damage. Okay, we got Bob Stinson in the replacements. I know the replacements are a beloved band. I don't know if you would consider the replacements a full-on punk band or if they would be punk-adjacent. They kind of seem very much in the vein of, like, uh, indie, indie rock, maybe, you know? Um, something like that. I don't know. I, I, I've i never... Uh, they put out an album called Let It Be, I think is the big iconic phenomenal album that everybody loves i've not really listened to any of it to be honest with you signature move as a basement trio called dog breath playing hyperspeed aerosmith ted nugent and yes covers in minneapolis basement the replacements were bob stinson's band uh then singing and strumming janitor paul westerberg changed all that adding his incredible heartfelt songs there was still room for Stinson's gonzo yet melodic guitar work. He clearly learned a thing or two from 70s metal, but left the parts he didn't like on the cutting room floor. I love this writer. Whoever writes that is just this poetry, man. Instead, he played with an abandon that was clearly intuitive, not premeditated. While he while hardly lacking emotion, every time he took a lead, he peeled out saying he'd see you on the other side and dishing out this haphazardly beautiful cluster of single notes. Best heard on Hootenanny. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about, um, uh, about the replacements and the Pixies. I would say that you would put the, the, in the same way that the replacements are punk adjacent, you would put Pixies in the same, in the same sort of category. They kind of ride this line. Okay. Up next we have, uh, Dunita Sparks, she was on that video with uh, on the punk panel. Remember when when um, uh, Johnny Rotten and uh, Marky Ramone had a big fight, claim to fame L7. I'm not super well versed in L7 either. Um, of all the original grunge guitarists, L7's classic duo of Sparks and Gardner is possibly the most impressive. Sparks especially stood out with her inside out blues licks and melodic sense and for consistently employing the thickest loudest fuzz box this side of ron ashton's okay that's it oh, okay we're uh, getting some ashton comparisons which gives me an idea of what spark sounds like that's cool I, I need to check that out her tone was the dirtiest and wild widest heard in forever it may still be sparks and gardner both just seem to want to outdo everyone dead or alive on noisy, messy sounding guitars. It annoys me if you're giving uh, Gardner, if you're acknowledging Gardner, which I think you should acknowledge Gardner, get put her up there next to uh, Sparks. The boat, the two of them should have have the slot. That's not fair. I think that's not fair. Um, we got Kim Shattuck. Is that how you pronounce that? Shattuck from the Muffs. R.I.P. She she passed away sadly. Kim was also the first replacement bass player in the Pixies. How about that? Um, it was kind of a, that was a big F you to Kim deal. And there's a thing where you see, you see Frank Black, Black Francis on an album cover doing this. And it's really supposed to be this. It's this with uh, Kim and it's supposed to be Kim too. And it's just like, 
it's sending a message to Kim Deal. It's like, oh, you're going to leave us while we're trying to record an album? That's okay. We'll just replace you with another Kim. That's what it was. It was a big F you to Kim Deal. Uh, I'm not, once again, the muffs are another blind spot for me, okay? Uh, Kim, uh, undisputed leader of 90s Los Angeles garage punk outfit, the muffs, had an unparalleled ability to growl and scream in pitch. Kurt Cobain surely envied her on that score. She also had a knack for writing heartbreakingly beautiful pop songs that resembled the reanimated Buddy Holly now fronting the Hollies. Oh, wow. That just sold me on the muffs. Uh, if anybody could recommend a good muffs album to check out uh, for me, I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear a good muffs album. Uh, but few discuss her guitar work. She bent strings with an impunity. Oh wow, what a sentence! What a phrase! She bent strings with an impunity that would give that would have given thunders pause. I'm, I mean, this is really selling me on the muffs wrote catchy riffs that were almost casual in their infectiousness, then coated them all in a blanket of distortion filthier and nastier than L7s. She is truly an unsung guitar hero. Okay, it says best heard on Hamburger. We're going to check out Hamburger. I'm going to check out Hamburger. That's cool. See, all right, I'm learning some stuff. When I think of alternative press, I just kind of write it off. I'm just kind of like, ah, alternative press press is BS. I think of emo when I think of alternative press. I don't think of it as like an alternative rock magazine. But I got to tell you, I'm, th th this writer is selling me on bands that I've never really even bl uh, blinked at. The Libertines. What? Come on. I mean, I don't even really know their music. I don't think. Oh, man. 20 greatest of all time. The Libertines. What? By the way, real quick about Kim from the Muffs. You know what got her kicked out of the Pixies? She stage dived. And the guys, they did not like that. Because the Pixies are not a band that stage dives at all. They just they just play their music. They don't even talk to the crowd. They go out there. They play their songs. There's no banter in between. They just count into the next one. And Kim, who has much different energy, Kim from the Muffs, uh, she was really vibing with the crowd one night, decided to stage dive, and that got her fired from the Pixies. Now they have Paz, and Paz is amazing. I'm so glad that they have Paz. I don't even want to read about this guy. I just, I don't know. I'm so turned off by the Libertines. I think this is such, this is a weird pick, man. D, D Boo, if this is, I, D Boone from the Minutemen better be on this list if this guy, Carl Bratt, is on this list. Both halves of the poetic garage punks, the Libertines. I remember when that dude, Pete Doherty, he was in. I mean, that dude was a was a tabloid king, man, because of his uh, drug use. Everybody, everybody was like, oh, Pete Doherty. I remember in the aughts, man, that's all Rolling Stone would talk about. Um, but Carl, Carl was more of a lead player than Pete. He scrubbed out some solid riffs as Barat indulged in flights of jazz fancy that suggested a more than passing familiarity with Django Reinhardt. The pair also sh shared a yen for cheaper 60s student model guitars and ancient British tube amps. Okay, so like vintage, I guess. Um, various Epiphone, Epiphone models with Batwing headstocks. Gibson Melody Makers, Vox AC30s, or early Marshall non-master volume half stacks. This influenced a generation of young Brits. Hmm, 
Okay. I don't know, man. I don't know. Here we go. Cheetah. Yastiv, I'm bored. Let's go pick up some little girls or something. All right. That's from Ain't Nothing to Do. Um, I love Dead Boys. I love them. I got to hang out with them backstage at the CBGB Gallery. I got to meet Cheetah Chrome, Jeff Magnum, Johnny Blitz, and uh, Jimmy Zero. I didn't get to meet Stiv because he had already passed. I love the Dead Boys. I love that album. We Have Come For Your Children is less than, although I Won't Look Back is, is a phenomenal song. The bass playing, Jeff Magnum's bass playing on I Won't Look Back is just, oh, so good. But we're here to talk about Cheetah Chrome, man. And again, um, uh, the, one of the truest disciples of John William, uh, J- James Williamson, a dude who was so influenced by raw power and just, you know, they burst onto the New York scene. Hilly Crystal, who ran CBGBs, is managing them. Uh, and they just, man, uh, they melted. You know, it's funny. They took, like, the Ramon sound, and they took the Stooges, James Williamson um, uh, guitar energy, and they just sort of, uh, I don't know, synthesized, fused it into this this juggernaut this uh, raw, um, fast, um, uh, Pistols-esque music with much more of a bite. The Dead Boys were dangerous, man. I don't mean like literally literally dangerous, although their drummer did get stabbed like 18 times. I had to have a benefit for uh, Johnny Blitz, the Blitz benefit. Um, But man, oh my God, their, 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 their music was... You know, the first the, the opening track, Sonic Reducer. It really was a Sonic Reducer. I've heard of the Pagans. I have heard of the Pagans. Uh, never listened to them. Um, but listen, that Dead Boys, I'm, like I said, you got to listen to Younger, Louder, Snottier. That is the, that is the move. Not, don't listen to Young, Loud, and Snotty. That's more polished. Um, Cleveland's dead boys were a bizarre crossbred mutation of the stooges and the three stooges slapstick nihilism. Anyone, uh, theirs was the most Detroit hard rock informed punk extant at the moon at the moment when Steve Bader's pie in the face, Alice Cooper meets Iggy pop stage presence. Uh, I was the icing on the cake. A large part of the dead boys sonic signature was cheetah chrome's intense fretwork. And that, oh, it's so true. He twisted the innovations of Thunders and Williamson into some something sick and dangerous, crossed with something off of the proto metal charm of someone like Cooper's Glenn Buxton. Oof, my Lord. The Dead Boys, man. Just, just phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, yeah, man, his guitar licks. And you know what's so funny? Jimmy Zero is like really, he's a rhythm player and he just sort of stands in the back. He's just in the back like the whole time, you know, or he's just, he's not in the, he's sort of in the background holding things together so that Cheetah Chrome can, as they say, go on flights of fancy. He just, uh, so good. Oh, what a, what? well, we knew that. We knew that because I said that in the opening, they mentioned Green Day. Green Day, come on. A guitar player? What? Billy, I mean, listen, I 
I don't have anything against him. And, you know, the Dookie album is a good album. Um, I like, I, I definitely like, uh, what's it called? Insomniac is the album. The night, what's the one from 1999? But I got to tell you, man, uh, as a, on the, on top 20 guitars, you have Billy Joel Armstrong and we have yet to see D Boone on here. Uh, Billy Joel Armstrong contributed a lot to the art of punk guitar. Even in Green Day's indie days on Lookout Records, he achieved a nice, thick blast and grind. Once they signed with Reprise, their expanded rec recording budget enabled him to make it bigger and wider. Initially, the tone generator was blue. His heavily stickered, modified Fernandez Strat copy his mother gifted him one Christmas as a teen. Then it was a number of Les Paul Juniors uh, going through the modded marshals he's played on. He's played on since Dookie. These machines broadcast enormous stereophonic crunch chords and stinging, abrupt melodic leads. Sorry, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. We're not. Listen, I don't want to take away from Green Day or Green Day's um, Green Day's success. I'm not here to. I'm not here to bash them again all power to green day but to call them the put him in the top 20 punk guitar play, come on no here we go this makes more sense east bay ray dead kennedy's auditorily san francisco political punks dead kennedy's paralleled no other band yes tempos and energy both were standard punk regulation high but this is where the dk's diver uh diverge mostly via the sonic science laid down by guitarist East Bay Ray. Uh, denatured surf and rockabilly licks got reprocessed through a surfiet of distortion via humbucking equipped parts, parts caster. But what Ray ultimately brought to punk was the echoplex. He utilized abused the classic tape delay unit to create shrieking psychedelic textures not found on other punk records, even to this day. I respect the Dead Kennedys. They are not my favorite. Eh, they're okay. Uh, I'm not. I was never, never really got into them. Uh, just you know, I, I I explored their 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 filmography, the discography. I mean, just not my thing. Didn't didn't didn't. Uh, right. And last but not least. The, a queen, a, just a queen. We have Joan Jett. I would, I love that. I love that Joan Jett is on here. Uh, from the Runaways, Joan Jett of the Blackhearts. A totally talk about a disciple of the Ramones. Joan Jett. I, I got to see. I had the privilege of seeing Joan Jett live in the Rocky Horror Show. She played Columbia, and she got, um, she got a uh, man. She she got on stage with a guitar at one point. And she was just riffing. Um, Joan Jett gets universally recognized as woman in rock pioneer, as well as being a great living definition of rock and roll, uh, as say Keith Richards. But what's frequently missing from the conversation is what a great guitarist she is. Utilizing a heavily modded Gibson Melody Maker purchased from Eric Carmen of the 70s pop, power pop heroes, the Raspberries. She slashes out mostly solid power chords in all of rock, and her tone is the thickest and juiciest, but she's also a capable lead guitarist. That two-note bent string uh, lead fest on Bad Reputation is all jet, according to manager, uh, musical partner, uh, Kenny Laguna. Had she dropped more such breaks, we think 
We might think of her in the same class as Thunders. Wow, that is a lot. That is that's a that's a big thing. You know what I love about Joan Jett and what I love about um the surviving members of of Nirvana um that when they when they tastefully Nirvana has always been able to tastefully reunite, right? Like they're not they're not actually together, but they get together the remnants of Nirvana get together to, to play music. And what I really love about what Nirvana does is that they don't um, they don't try to replace Kurt Cobain because you can't replace Kurt Cobain in the same way you can't replace Bradley Noel in the same way that you can't replace Ian Curtis in the same way that you can't replace Glenn Danzig and the Misfits, right? There's so many, you can't replace Joey Ramone. There's so many people, you can't replace them. You need something that is not, like, here's the thing. You do have, I guess you have men, like male front frontmen that come in and have fronted this Nirvana. Sort of, you had Paul McCartney front Nirvana on a track called Cut Me Some Slack. Uh, but you had Deer Vana, the guy from Deer, whatever, that Deer band. Um, you had a bunch of people come in and sort of do Nirvana numbers when they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What I loved, what my favorite part was when Joan Jett came in, because to me, I feel like I feel like you cannot replace like you can't replace Kurt Cobain with any man. The only way to replace Kurt Cobain is with a woman like Joan Jett. You know what I'm saying? That's what I thought was so beautiful about it. It's kind of like in Macbeth, you know, in Macbeth, when the witches tell Macbeth, no man born of woman can kill you. And so Macbeth thinks that he's invincible and that nobody can kill him. And then he confronts Macduff. And what does Macduff say in Macbeth? The tragedy, the, 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 the catch I was untimely ripped from my mother's womb. I am not born of woman. Uh, and it's this, it's in this way that he is able to kill Macbeth. And it's the same sort of thing with like Kurt Cobain uh, with, with Nirvana having somebody sing, step into Kurt Cobain's shoes. You're never going to. And that's why Joan Jett sounds better with that remnants of Nirvana than any other dude that they get to, to, to jump in and, and sing with Nirvana. It's just never going to sound right. And there's just something magical about having Joan Jett do it. Um, there's no, there's no, no one that's going to fill that, fill that dude in. Right. Um, so that's why, I don't know. I thought that was very, I thought that was a very interesting choice and I really liked that she did that. Okay. So this was written by Tim Stiegel, Stiegel, uh, Tim, we salute you because your writing is just so it's great, man. It is really, really, really fantastic. I really enjoyed reading this. I really wanted this to be an hour long, not two hours long. But what do I expect when we do when we do a list like this, man? This was a long list, 20, 20 entries to get into. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed um, tonight's show. We do this from time to time. We do some sort of. We haven't done a deep dive in a while. Um, Night of the Frumis is coming up. If you don't know what Night of the Frumis is, Night of the Frumis is, there's no, there's no, it's a potpourri show. I, I take a bunch of things that I don't think deserve their own show that I just briefly want to touch on. And we touch on, a, a we run the juggernaut 
And those shows have been really, really fun. Um, so keep keep your eyes open for those shows. Uh, check them out. Um, thank you all uh, for for tuning in. I really appreciate everybody in the comments. I appreciate all discourse, um, no matter what it is. I appreciate discourse. I think it's wonderful. And um, and you know, listen, there's we can't it you can't shy away from the reality of certain things. But sometimes you don't have to dwell. Sometimes we don't have to dwell on all all the aspects of of something in order to appreciate one thing in particular, if you know what I mean by that. So I hope, um, uh, I hope to see you again real soon guys. It's been so long since we did a Lodi show. And the reason for that is, like I said, I, I, part of 2022 is all about expanding our horizons and, you know, um, not to say that we're not doing misfits. Of course we're going to do misfit stuff. I'm, the misfit stuff will never stop. But just to be more precious about it and more selective and space it out. And so for some of you already know, I feel comfortable saying it because I spoke to him about it already. Franche Coma is coming on the show. We had Mr. Jim on from the Static Age. We have Franche Coma coming on the show, and I can't wait. That's happening. Like I said, we have another really big guest. The big guest was not Franche Coma that I was referring to. I don't want to say who it is until it's in the can uh, because there's nothing worse than saying, hey, this person's coming on the show, and then something something gets messed up um who else is coming on we're doing another episode of the tank chronicles uh the grim tales so if you really enjoyed seeing tank jonathan grim uh that uh, the guy who who was the big collector and eventually started working with jerry and doyle um we're doing part two of that that's 1994 to 1997 we're taking it real slow that's probably going to be a three-hour show the first one is three hours long we probably will have done 12 hours all said and done. I, I, I could see it going that way. Uh, Jim is very easy to talk to. Uh, great guy. Truly a great guy. Uh, so that is coming up. Um, more Patreon stuff. More content's coming out. Like I said, Patreons, check your notifications. There's a new review. Late night taco truck flavored jelly beans. That includes guacamole, ochata, um, Beef taco, that's right, beef taco jelly bean, uh, salsa, guacamole, I think I said guacamole, and uh, what am I forgetting, and churro. Um, really, really interesting flavors. Uh, more more, more of that is coming as well. Yeah, Rue, you like you like Night of the Frumus? I like Night of the Frumus too. I, I like the Night of the Frumus show because it's it's low pressure. We just It's just more of a casual conversation, I don't know. In any case, as always, it's late. I'm going to sleep. Peace and hair grease. And in case you don't know about the Patreon, let me tell you about the Patreon. We got the Patreon. Look, we got the Patreon. You got to check out the Patreon. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time 
uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.